And we ask you, teacher, to teach us. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, uh, so yeah, so we finished up last week, uh, you know, with Josh up here. In Ephesians chapter 6. And we finished up with him wearing the armor, right? Let me get out of your way. Yeah, you were too far away, man. We're getting close this morning. This is good. I like it. So we finished up uh, last week with Josh up here with his spiritual armor on, and we kind of left off with the idea being that, um, you know, when we're praying, that we should get dressed that way. Maybe not with those cardboard things, you know, with the words on there, and the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of peace, the belt of truth, you know, maybe not with those exact ones, but with that idea at least. And um, there's a phrase uh, that was in that passage that we were uh, going through uh, last week, and I didn't really hit on it too much, uh, because I knew that we had like um, you know some props, and I wanted to make sure that we get to that, and we've talked about that a little bit, um, in addition to like you know what we were fighting in the world and all that stuff. So I wanted to highlight one particular phrase uh, that's in your Bibles, in Ephesians chapter 6, And um, we'll pick up in verse 17. It says, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Check it out. So this is what I wanted to focus on this morning. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. I think you can see the main idea here is praying, right? I think that's kind of obvious. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. So, there's a phrase there. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions. That seems to imply that we could pray apart from the Spirit. Like there's another way to pray. And Paul highlights that it's really important that when we are praying, that we would be praying in the Spirit. That it's real important. In fact, so important that we're doing it on all occasions. So my question to you this morning is, since you're a whole bunch of Bible-banging Christian believers, what does that mean? What does that mean to pray in the Spirit? What does that look like? How would you know if you're not praying in the Spirit? What does the Bible say about it? So you might even have your opinions on what it looks like and what you think it doesn't look like. What does the Bible say it actually is praying in the Spirit? Because, of course, the ideal situation is that our opinions about what God says is formed by what the Bible says, not necessarily just formed by our experiences and our thoughts. Right? That's the goal, right? So we're called to pray in the Spirit on all occasions. So when you woke up this morning, before you came to church, praying in the Spirit. Did you do it? Did you not do it? We're at church this morning and the worship song is going... Praying in the Spirit. When we leave here today, praying in the Spirit. 
watching our football teams win later today. <laughs> or we're running around getting hurt like I probably will later today. Praying in the Spirit, God help me. Later tonight, Monday's coming. Praying in the Spirit. What does that look like? Because we're called to do that all the time. Like, If there's something we should be experts in as being Christians, it should be praying. And praying in the Spirit. With power. Which leads to a life that just overcomes certain situations. And it's really interesting, you know. The disciples who are with Jesus for, you know, three years. A solid three years. An amazing three years. Where they saw really everything. Man, I so wish I was like part of that during that time, don't you? Can you imagine like walking with Jesus and just like in those sandals and around people and just... It's amazing. But for three years they're with Him. And they asked Him a super important question in Luke 11, verse 1. They come up to Jesus and they say, Lord, teach us how to pray. So they asked Him. They were with Him for three years. And they didn't ask Jesus, hey, listen, uh, the way you speak is amazing. Teach us how to preach. We, we want to do it like that. Or um, how nice you are to everybody. Sh- like, show us how to be that nice. No, they focused in on the one super important area. They said, Lord, teach us how to pray. See, they understood that there's something about Jesus' life where his ability to overcome and to have power, they knew it was linked to his prayer life. They knew that it was. It wasn't linked to his preaching. It wasn't linked to any other ability or thing that he did. It was linked to his prayer life. And they realized that they hung out there for three years. And they knew this man. And they're like, oh my, what's he saying to God when he gets alone? Do you ever wonder that? you ever read through the Gospels? And when it says when Jesus gets away to pray to his Father, what is he saying? I ask God that a lot. I ask Jesus that. I'm like, what did you say to your Father? I want to have some of that vocabulary. I want some of that to come through me. I think you guys should ask the same question too. Like, God, show me how Jesus prayed. Because there's something about how Jesus prayed and then there's something different about how other people pray. Other people can pray and it's just maybe just a discipline. And I think that all of us would agree. Okay, great. Prayer is important. I'm with you. Awesome. Wonderful. But for many people, prayer is drudgery. It's like another discipline that you have to do. And if we're honest about it, I think we can all absolutely relate to that. It's another discipline, another thing that we have to do where we come before God and it's like, ah, you know, I gotta pray. I gotta pray about this, I gotta pray for them, I gotta put this on that list. And because it's a discipline, where we actually have to settle ourselves down, get into a quiet place, focus on something, because the discipline is involved in that, 
usually with discipline comes drudgery and not a lot of enthusiasm. So, the question is, how can we get past that and see it for what it is? Because here's the truth of the matter. If Satan... He knows the truth about prayer. And he sure as heck doesn't want us to know the truth about prayer, how it works. So he does not want us to know what he knows. Absolutely not. And one of the most powerful weapons that we have as Christians is prayer. And you always hear our Christianity as well. Christianity is not just a religion, it's a relationship. Yes. And how does that relationship carry out? It's through prayer and fellowship with Him. Like, that's a huge part of the Christian's life. And within that fellowship time, which usually consists of prayer times, the overflow of what God wants to do hopefully happens. Right? That's the way this thing works. So why the drudgery? Why the difficulty sometimes with prayer? Because we're not because we're looking to pray in the spirit on all occasions, Paul said. If possible, this is what you want to do. Pray in the spirit on all occasions. Any situation. Whether we're going to church this morning, whether we're gonna to go to work tomorrow, whether we're gonna hang out with some family later, or we're gonna feel some anxiety and or stress later. Whatever it is. We're trying to pray in the Spirit on all occasions. So, why the drudgery? Why the difficulty? Well, here's... I wrote down two things. One, I think that we may miss or forget or maybe haven't been made aware of the purpose of prayer. What's the purpose of it? What's the point? Is it just like to close our eyes and then just say some words? The purpose of prayer is predominantly, purposely, not to get my will done first right away. That's the purpose of prayer. And Jesus said the model for us. He said, not my kingdom come, but your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So God, you have your way. You do what you want to do. So automatically, if we enter into the prayer realm, it's solely about what he wants and desires first. That's where we start. That's the starting point. And I think a lot of times, like, that's not what people are thinking. A lot of times, I was thinking about some stuff. Most people are thinking, or praying, God, fix this. Or make this better. Or help me out here. Or be with so-and-so over there. And there's a lot of prayers like that. And most times, and I'm not saying those are bad prayers, Because God does want to bless and be with and protect and provide for others. But many times, and it's kind of a weird thing, like even when I'm at school, you know, and I'm with the kids, and the nice thing about being with kids at school is that, like, they're not old enough yet, and so they just, um, the truth just comes out of them more easily. They haven't gotten old enough yet to be able to manipulate it and distort it and hide it. And uh, you see a lot of truth there. So, was when the topic of prayer comes up in school or something's coming up or I, I offer to pray for them 
or I ask them certain things, almost always, almost always, it's asking God to help make their life better or more comfortable in some way. Almost always. And honestly, a lot of times, when I get along with get around a lot of Christians and church people, the bulk of the prayers is, God, please make my life more better in this way. Fix it in this way. Show up here. I need you here. Please do this. Please do that. And again, I'm not saying that that's completely wrong because He does care about our needs, wants, and desires, but the needs, wants, and desires have to fall in line with what He wants to do with them. Is that making sense? So, one prayer that I wrote down that I hardly hear ever and I'm just actually hearing out of my mouth more often, sad to say, wasn't even part of my prayer life probably 10 years ago. Really sad to say. But something he's making more aware to me and something I think could be helpful is prayer like this. God, make me more like you. Thank you. Look at the thing. It starts off with a thank you. Now look at the laundry list. Thank you for the necessary work in my life. Check it out. That may frustrate me and make me uncomfortable at times. That's a real good starting point. Yeah. God, thank you for the necessary work. It is necessary what you are doing. It's not because you don't love me. It's not because I'm out of position with you. It's because I'm right in your hand and you love me. And I'm your son and I'm your daughter. And you're looking to do good things with me, great things with me. And your spirit lives inside of me. This is exactly why this is happening to me right now. It's because you said in your word that you prune those who love you. It's because you said in your word that you form the clay. Sometimes that means like you're cutting stuff off and you're forming it with your fingers and you're on that kiln and working that thing. So God, thank you for the necessary work in my life that may frustrate me and make me uncomfortable at times. Help me to be a willing child in your work. Wow. I don't hear a lot of prayers like that. Doesn't happen a lot. I don't know if it happens a lot in your heart and in your mouth. But I hope it's your heart's desire that now will be there. God, thank you for who you are and what you're doing and how you love me. Man, this thing is frustrating me. It's got me in my wit's end. I'm not understanding any of it. And I don't even understand how you're doing this right now because if you're a father who loves perfectly, I don't think I'd put my children in this position. That's my opinion. I'm going with you. Help me to be a willing party and not fight you too much on this. Right, so prayer's got to start there. Where it's his will, his desires, and what he wants. Now, secondly, why the drudgery, why the difficulty? One, I think sometimes we forget that prayer is really about his will and his desires. But secondly, we also forget that when we pray in the Spirit, it transforms the prayer life. Really transforms it. Okay, Tom, excited about this part? What we're going to talk about next, okay, is super important. And please, oh man, 
please like listen to this next part and tune in on this. It's really important. Man, I was so excited this week. I was like, as I was just like thinking about it and praying through it. And uh, you might even, you might not even agree with some of this, and that's okay. Bring it to the king. Let's even have a dialogue or talk about it. Whatever, I don't care. But the bulk of this thing is true that we're about to take out, and it will radically transform your prayer life. So that's not just drudgery and difficulty, but it's powerful. It's effective. It's actually your first go-to tool. It's actually not like, well, all I can do is pray. It's like, oh, I'm praying and things are going to happen. Things are going to happen. It's not even a question. It's a matter of how big God wants to go with my prayers. I am a threat in the spiritual world. I have been armed, I've been equipped, and God has made it clear to my mind I'm here to accomplish His will and His work. And I can confidently move forward in that. A confident, powerful prayer life. Yes. That's what we're after. And that's praying in the Spirit. So what does it mean? Well, let's take a look. Here's what I got. I got three things, okay? Three things, and then we'll close up. Pray in the Spirit, meaning three things. One... It starts theologically. Theologically. That just means like uh, thinking right about the doctrine that's in the Bible. Theologically. Here's how it starts. Praying in the Spirit. Like number one, we've got to think about this thing right. It's not as if any person at all, anywhere, all over the globe can just approach God, ask Him to do something, and He does it. It doesn't work that way. Through the Bible, it's been made clear multiple, multiple times. We can't approach God like that. Now, He can hear those prayers, but He cannot move in the way that He would like to. There's something that has to be done first. So here's the way I wrote it down. Theologically. We have to pray to the Father, through the Son, by the Spirit. Okay? To the Father, through the Son, by the Spirit. Now look at your neighbor. Say it. To the Father, through the Son, by the Spirit. This is how I remember. Say now do it again. Say it. To the Father, through the Son, by the Spirit. And one more time. Three times is always good. Say it one more time. To the Father, through the Son, by the Spirit. So you pray to the Father. That's right. That's right. Yes, this is good. We're getting her in the mode. What did you learn at church today? I don't know, but to the Father, through the Son, by the Spirit. Nice. It's good. Yeah, rapping. So we have our Father that we pray to. Our Father who art in heaven. Sounds familiar, right? It's our Father. We pray to the Father. Now, the thing that makes it possible for our prayers to be powerful and effective for Him to hear us and then to move is it has to come through the Son. It has to come through Jesus. has to. So we close up our prayers and we say, in Jesus' name. And in Jesus. Because we're not praying through any other name. We don't have any other power to pray in. 
We don't have any other ability to approach God in a confident way except through Jesus. The only way that we can be powerful is through Jesus. In the Old Testament, what we would have to do is rewind ourselves to Old Testament times. We get our fancy clothes off. We get our sandals on. We all smell bad because we haven't had a shower in a long time. And we're in a big campground. Camps and tents everywhere. All around a fire that's in the center. And then we grab, let's just assume we're all poor. We all grab our pigeons and lambs. Maybe a couple of you guys are rich, I don't know. But we got our pigeons and we got our lambs. And we go because we want to pray before God. We want to pray for our family. We want to pray for people that we love. We want to ask God for things. So, the only way that we could is if we grab our pigeons, our lambs, and they have to be perfect without defect. Then we have to bring them to the priest. It has to be acceptable, and then he will pray on our behalf for whatever we're asking God for, for whatever we need. That system's already done. The perfect lamb, Jesus Christ, has already been sacrificed, so there's no need to get our pigeons and lambs together. Jesus Christ, the perfect lamb, has already paid for That's so Now we have direct access to God, not through anybody else. So if I pray for you, it's not like I have a special inside like route to God. you got a direct line. Right to Him. I don't have any unique line to Him. Which is awesome. Maybe if we pray together, the Spirit might reveal something to me as we pray together and maybe I can pray in the Spirit in that way and like be helpful. But as far as access goes, you got what I got. We all got the same. I don't know if everybody buys into that a lot of times. Some people feel like, well, no, you don't know me and what I've been doing and what have I... Listen, if you repent of that stuff and you're actually trying to live for Him and live set apart for Him, you got immediate access and He wants to answer and wants to bless and wants to come through on those prayers. Wants to. And the Word even promises that He will. We have immediate access to the Creator of the universe anytime you want to. I don't know if you buy into that totally, but it's true. Well, I've asked God for things and He hasn't done things and that doesn't change what he said. Unfortunately, maybe that's the experience sometimes. But, if we let those things be as they are and we continue to march on and try and live by what he says, eventually we'll have more stories and more experiences of pushing through in prayer and seeing what happens. So it starts theologically. Praying in the Spirit comes with an understanding that my life has to be given over to Jesus Christ. And I have to accept Him and what He did on the cross for me. You can't pray in the Spirit and not do that. It doesn't work. So it's got to start there. So number one, praying in the Spirit starts theologically. To the Father, through the Son, by the Spirit. Now, number two. 
praying in the Spirit can also mean... Well, it starts theologically, but number two, it also comes Pentecostally. That's a good hangman word. You should try that one later. You can try and write it out right now in your bulletin, see if you spell it right. Pentecostally. Pentecost. That was the time in Acts where they really say is the birthday of the church. A bunch of Christians like this. It's a little bit of a bigger group, but they were basically in a room like this. They were all praying, and then, boom! Like, people start talking in different languages, and there's like tongues of fire, and it's an amazing scene. Amazing. And so that's like when the church started. That's how the church started. That's the church's birthday. And what happens every time a person accepts Jesus Christ as their Savior, that same Spirit that did that on Pentecost comes and lives inside the Christian. And so, when we pray, sometimes, some people, not all people, sometimes, some people can pray in other languages to God. They are praying, and they are praying in other languages. Praying in tongues. Praying in other languages. Praying in the Spirit. That's what the Bible refers to that as. Praying in the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14, 14. I'll turn there. You don't have to turn there. Here's what it says. It says, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my mind. When you pray in tongues, you're actually praying with your spirit. And the purpose of bringing the topic up is not to like, now we start talking about tongues for the next three weeks. It's, we'll eventually get there because it's in the Bible. Promise. We eventually will get there. But, and I'm not up here saying that, uh, you know, uh, let's make sure we all talk in tongues by the time we get out of here today. I'm not saying that either. What I am saying is that if it does happen and you do pray in tongues, it's praying in the Spirit. And the Bible has said that and confirmed that. But why would God have us pray to Him in another language and our mind not even understand what we're saying? Why would God do that? That's a really good question. I don't totally know. But, it says that it happens, and it says that there's value, and it says that the Spirit prays. And the Bible also makes clear that even if we're playing football later today, flag football, which I've had mixed feelings about all week, kind of dreading, kind of been excited about, my spirit can still be praying and be before God even while I'm throwing that football around. I don't know how that works. If it was nice out and we're shooting hoops, and I like that, that's fun. We're shooting some hoops, I, my spirit can still be communicating, interacting with God. If I'm at work, or you're at work, and you're at your cubicle, or you're at wherever, or talking to whoever, and you're working, cranking out reports, or doing whatever you're doing, or serving somebody else, your spirit can still be in contact with God somehow, some way. I don't know how that works. 
But the Bible paints a picture of that. It's very interesting. Now the ideal situation is of course if those tongues and languages happen, especially if it's in church, if right now the Holy Spirit just overwhelmed one of you guys and you just started talking out loud, just like in tongues, just praying in it. Like, wow. Best ideal situation is that someone in the church would then stand up and say, hey, here's what so-and-so is saying. That'd be great. Otherwise, it's like, what's he saying? I don't know. He's speaking in tongues. Oh, well, great for him. <laughs> Doesn't really benefit the rest of us. Right? So that's why Paul makes it really clear. Like, if that stuff happens in church, make sure somebody's there to, like, you know, translate that. But if it happens to you, I wanted to make sure that I said this because I don't know how many people have, have like, even asked the Spirit for this. Or have even, sometimes you don't even ask and it just happens. When you're in fellowship with God in a quiet time and you're just alone with Him, it'll just happen. You just, like, start feeling like you're saying gibberish. And don't like just turn that thing down. Just be like, Holy Spirit, I, I want what you have for me. Continue to overwhelm me. And just take over my mind and take over my mouth. Just do what you want to do. Allow that. Allow that to go through. So is praying in the Spirit all about tongues? No. Is praying in the Spirit just solely about theologically praying to the Father, you know, through the Son, by the Spirit? No. Those are two important parts. And I think we need those to go together. We need to pray to the Father through the Son by the Spirit. Sometimes, maybe it'll involve praying another language. But number three, big time! This is huge here. We can't miss the last one. Okay, this is really important. So if you forgot all the other stuff, really zone, zone in on this one. Please, 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 please. Okay? You with me? This is good. I see all the eyeballs. This is awesome. Nobody's falling asleep. Nobody's nodding out. This is great. This is really good. This is really good. Okay, here we go. The third part of praying in the Spirit is praying out of this world. I'm going to explain what that means. Praying out of this world. Praying in a transcendent kind of way. I'm not talking about like weird new age meditation and transcendentalism. I'm not talking about that kind of thing. I'm talking about transcendent meaning transcending reality, transcending current situation above and beyond what we're currently going through or dealing with. That's what I'm talking about. Let me give you an idea. In 2 Kings, you might want to read the story this week. In 2 Kings chapter 6. In 2 Kings chapter 6. There's an army marching against the Israelite army. Okay? And this, the point of the story is going to help show and illustrate how we're meant to pray out of this world. Okay? So, in 2 Kings chapter 6, there is this army trying to attack Israel. And uh, what would happen is this general is trying to attack Israel, get them together, say, hey, listen, we're going to attack on such and such date, such and such place. Well, the Israelite army, the Hebrews, they were able to prepare for it. And so the leader 
of the other army is like, how did they know we were coming? How did they know we were coming on this day? How did they know we were, they were, we were coming this way? So they start another surprise attack. Second one. Going on such and such day, such and such way. Hebrew army prepares for it, deals with it, squashes it. What's going on? So then the general for the other army, third time, surprise attack. Let's come on such and such day, such and such way. Again, the Hebrew army prepared for it. Sky is like, he calls in all his generals. Calls in everybody, says, listen. We obviously got a spy in the midst of us here. Somebody is telling the Hebrew people what we are doing and when we are doing it. And somebody raises his hand. He says, actually, no, you know, that's not the case. He said, you know what? They have this prophet. And supposedly, he's hearing everything that's being said about in our camp. He even knows what you say in your bedchambers. And the king is like, what? Are you serious? He said, yeah. This is the deal. So he says, alright, we're getting everybody. And we're all going right now. So he mobilizes this entire huge army. After a guy named Elisha. So they all go march on Elisha's house. Thousands of people. His servant, Gehazi, wake up early in the morning, you know. I like the sleep out of his eye, you know. Look out the window. On the horizon, see all these troops, everybody armed. Freaks out. Elisha, you got to get up. We're done. This is it. What are we going to do? They're surrounded their house. There's thousands of them. They know about us. Elisha, real calm, real cool, Real collective. He says, Lord, open up his eyes so he can see what's going on here. That was his prayer. That's what he prayed to God. So, in the next moment, the servant's eyes are opened. And now, he thought he was overwhelmed before. He's really overwhelmed now. Oh my goodness, I didn't even see. Armies of the Lord. Thousands upon thousands marched all along. Everything encamped surrounding the enemy. He had no idea was ever there before. And Elisha was calm, cool, collected. He's like, man, I've, I've been seeing this. Like, I'm so glad God showed this to you. I'm talking about praying out of this world where the current situation that might seem so bleak It's not a factor to how we pray. We're actually able to pray above and beyond our physical limitations. Pray above and beyond the physical limitations. God, I know the money is not coming in right now. I praise you and I thank you though, Lord, because you promised to take care of me and meet my needs. I don't see it, but I know it. You've said it. Sounds silly to pray that way, but that's what we're called to do. God, my son or my daughter, I've raised them up to follow you and they are not following you. But I believe that you love them. I believe that my prayers are powerful and I believe that they're effective. 
You won't let them out of your hand. Father, I know my spouse is not where they need to be with you right now, Lord, but I thank you that you've put me in their life so you can work through me to get to them. This is praying in a whole other world. You can't even see an ounce of maybe promise. Maybe all we can see is difficulty, shortcoming, frustration, and feel heavy overwhelmment and strong anxiety and stress. But when those things do not overpower the prayer life, we're praying out of this world. And now we are truly praying in the Spirit. Because what we're starting to do is we're starting to pray by faith. Everybody say faith. Huge part of the Christian life. It is so big that believe it or not, you cannot, I cannot please God unless faith is a part of our lives. You cannot please God without it. Because in Hebrews 11 it says that it is without faith it is impossible to please God. So it's just a comfy life where we just kind of do what we want to do, however we want to do it, and there's no actually step of faith involved in our life. We're not really living in a way to really please and honor God. So to pray in the Spirit is to pray by faith, even when we can't see it. You heard about the dead guy Lazarus? Kind of a famous Bible story. Lazarus was dead in the tomb for four days. Dead. Done. Stinky. Gross. Four days dead. It was disgusting. Then Jesus shows up on the scene. John 11. First thing he does is he says, God, I thank you that you hear my prayers and that you always hear my prayers. But for the sake of the people that are here, I thank you that you're going to have him come out of this tomb. He goes to an area and to his surrounding where there's nothing but death, grief, and mourning. And Jesus starts off his prayer with, Thank you that you hear me, you hear my prayers, and you're going to do your work. That's what we're called to do as Christians. That's praying in the Spirit. No matter the situation, we actually pray in faith. It's super difficult to do that if we know really nothing about what the Bible says about God. If we really know nothing about the Bible stories, about how God was faithful to His people. It's really difficult to do that if we're not even really trying to live much of a life of faith. We're just trying to include Him. So praying in the Spirit is anchored by prayers of faith. Does it make sense? It's praying in a way that doesn't feel natural. It's praying in a way when you light up that cigarette. We've had this talk before many times, actually, on Wednesday night prayer meetings. People were asking for prayer, like, to just get free of smoking. Say, listen, I don't want to do it. No, God's made it clear. You know, I'm just having a hard time. You pray out of this world. God, I thank you that this smoking... But this habit, I've led into my body, 
It's not good and you're setting me free of it. I thank you for that. I thank you that this addiction is not impossible to beat. And I thank you that you will set me free from it. Oh God, I hope that you will and you'll find a way and give me shit. (laughs) What are we whining for? We've been promised. We've been promised. Called to live by faith. And you might feel kind of silly praying that prayer and then lighting up and smoking it. Doesn't matter. You pray that prayer of faith because you won't be lighting up and smoking it almost a year later. You just won't. Because the truth will come in and knock out that lie. We need more truth in our hearts and in our minds so we can pray that way. We can pray the truth back. We need that. We are called to pray in the Spirit. That means, yes, to the Father, through the Son, sometimes in tongues, but tell you what, we're praying by faith, out of this world, asking for things that we can't even see. And I guess the question is, well, how far do you go with that? How far do you go with that? When we see a relative or a sick one that's like really battling and having a difficult time or they're laying in the hospital bed, how far do we believe in faith? I don't know. We're supposed to believe pretty far. We're supposed to believe pretty far. That's what praying in the Spirit is about. And man, it's so difficult to do that if we're not in relationship and fellowship with Him. Because then our prayers just turn into laundry lists of things that hopefully God will remember and take care of and aunt so-and-so and whatever. Man, it's just not a checklist. We're called to pray in the Spirit. Pray out of this world. Asking for God to open up our eyes. Like Gehazi's eyes got open when Elijah asked him for that. That's what we're called to do. So how do we pray in the Spirit? To the Father, through the Son, by the Spirit. Got to have right relationship. Sometimes it might involve other languages. But most importantly, we are called to pray out of this world. Pray His promises and pray His truth even when it feels silly and funny. Even when we're looking at a situation that seems like it's just, it's lost. It seems over. That son, that daughter, that person, you're just making bad decision after bad decision. I've been praying for them forever and they just keep making bad decision after bad decision. Doesn't matter. We keep praying by faith because we can't see it. Can you imagine if we were the type of Christians where we only prayed according to what we saw? Ah. Forget about it is right. (laughs) Too often that's the case though. We only pray by what we see. Oh, the money came in. Oh, thank you, Lord. What about when it wasn't there? How about thank you, Lord? You said that it will be there. God, I'm feeling hopeless and anxious. Or I have these thoughts just coming in. I don't want this stuff in my mind. I don't want this stuff there. I thank you that you're going to take it away. And then it comes up. 
boom, five seconds later. Or it comes up in church during a worship song. That stuff is getting removed. That was the old you. There's a new you. It's a new you. New creation. And if you missed that throughout the entire book of Ephesians, I'm sorry. It's in there multiple times. You're a new creation. And we have to start praying like we're new and acting like we're new. And you're never just going to believe you're a new creation if I just tell you that on a Sunday. You have to get along with your Savior in fellowship and just let Him speak that to your heart. You're a new man, a new woman. I am doing new things with you. Oh, so good. So can you believe that now we're going to close, stay on topic, but yet introduce Christmas real fast and the Advent season? It's going to happen. Luke chapter 2. This is what we close with. Luke chapter 2. Check it out. This is how we close. By talking about God's faithfulness in prayer. Because we're called to see and pray through a lens of faith. So check it out. Thank you. Page 724 in the Pew Bible. Luke 2.25 says, Now there is a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who is righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. This man Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was waiting for Israel to be set free. Because Israel was not free at this time. They were run by Rome. They weren't their own country. They weren't their own land. So he was waiting and praying and coming to church every Sunday, raising his hands, putting in his offering, trying to remember his Bible verses, being faithful, trying to love other people. And he was waiting for the freedom of Israel, for the new ruler to come and squash Rome and say, no, we have our own land. We have our own territory. We are our own people now. And I'm going to lead them. And Rome, you are done. That's what he was waiting for. The consolation, the freedom of Israel. It says, verse 26, It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So it says that he would not die until he actually sees the Messiah, who he's been praying for, that would set them free. Tradition holds he's about 113 years old before this happens. 113. God spoke to his heart somewhere along the line or along those 113 years. I don't know when. Told him, said, hey, listen, you're not going to die until you see the Messiah who's going to ruin and trample. And he's thinking that, like, this amazing general is going to come and just squash Rome. He had expectations of the Christ coming and setting free their entire nation. And what does he get? Verse 27. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. Here's what he gets. When the parents brought in the child Jesus... 
to do for him what the custom of the law required. So he's looking for this army, conqueror, consolation of Israel, set us free. And what does God do? He shows up with a little baby. 113 years. Faithfully following God. Praying to God. And God told him you will see him. And he gets to see like a little baby. So here's the Simeon decision. The Simeon decision is, do you get mad about it? I've been praying. God, I've been asking you. You even told me that I'm going to see the constellation of Israel. He's not seeing any armies. He's not even going to see his nation be set free. All he's going to see is a little baby. So the question is for us, we've been praying, and we've been following hard after God, and we don't get the decision or the, the, the situation that we've been praying for that we thought would happen, we get the Simeon decision. What do we do? Do we thank God for a different result than we had expected? Because this is not what he thought was going to happen. Look at his response though. It's awesome. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. He did the right thing. That's awesome. He didn't get to see the constellation of Israel. And he won't get it in the way that he thought. He's coming in a whole other way. But even though he did not get what he thought in the way that he thought... Praise God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people, Israel. Parents were just baffled and blown away. Little did he know, not only did he see the consolation of Israel He saw way more than that. He saw the king, the savior, and held him and blessed him. That would not just set Israel free, it would set all people free for all time. God was doing way more than he thought or imagined. The spirit told him, he said, listen, you will not die unless you see the consolation of Israel and freedom. And he's thinking, yeah, my nation will be free. I'll see the guy who will do it. That's cool. No, 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 no. You're going to see consolation and freedom for all men for all time. It's coming through one person, the baby Jesus, and you're actually going to hold him and bless him. Wasn't even on Simeon's radar. And that's the amazing thing that happens. When we pray above and beyond our circumstances, God will come through and answer prayers that won't even be on our radar, stuff we didn't even ask for be so much larger than what we thought. Isn't that good news? The prayer is not just determined upon what we can think or make up. It goes further than that because we have a loving God who wants to take that prayer and then just run with it and demonstrate how much He loves us and how powerful He is. 
And sometimes we think that if we don't say the perfect words the perfect way, like nothing's going to happen. It's just not the case. It's just not the case. So we're called to pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Meaning, we pray to the Father, through the Son, by the Spirit. Sometimes He might overwhelm you and have other languages come out of your mouth. It's awesome. More importantly, He's calling us to pray out of this world, to pray in faith. And it's really difficult to pray in faith if we just are not hanging out and fellowshipping with Him. Just does not happen. Does not happen. Is that good news? Amen. I'm looking at a room right now of people that could transform any situation at any time. I'm looking at some people right now that has limitless power. And we're not even tapping into it. Why? What are the barriers? Barrier number one, if we're not getting fellowship with him, it ain't happening. That's got to happen. Barrier number two, start believing lies that some of this stuff isn't true. But it's even easier, much easier to fight off those lies when we live in and absorb in and take in the book of faith and the stories about what God does and how He does it. If we're living in this, and this is just like in our brains all the time, if we're in fellowship with Him all the time, we don't just see difficulty and frustration and overwhelming. We can start to see beyond and past that about how He's working and doing things. And Satan loves to get us to just focus on where we're not. It's not immediately happening right now. We're not where we want to be right now. So, the process has started and is going in a great direction for what God has. It's all good. It's really good. Man, if we could just pray in faith. It takes like, you know, two people praying in faith hard for people at our work, for our neighbors, for our future, for our kids. I mean, praying in faith hard. Sometimes fasting. And when you get into this thing, you start to study it and look at it. And you see mighty people that God has worked through. They spent a lot of fellowship time with God. And I know our schedules are busy. We got a lot going on. Shoot, I got two kids, you know, and working during the week and grading tasks, you know, and we got church stuff going on. There's a lot going on. We just got to make the time. He will help us see beyond the army of thousands on the hill. He will help us see beyond the thousands on the hill. And what the enemy will do is he will just make you focus on the armies on the hill. That's all that there is. And that's what you're destined for. It's just not true. It's just not true. 
So we get to pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Does it make a little bit more sense now? I hope so. I hope so. We're called to do this all the time. And don't, don't, that, the purpose of that statement is not to overwhelm you. Just take a small chunk today. I don't know what the rest of you got going on today. Tonight, whatever. Pray in the Spirit. To the Father, through the Son. Maybe we'll have some other languages come out of you. I don't know. But pray by faith no matter what in this situation. Praying out of this world. I hope your prayers are out of this world. And then I hope they don't stop if you don't get an answer right away. The thing that irritates me about that Elisha story is that Elisha said to God, God, open up his eyes. And then, immediately, his servant's eyes were opened. That irritates me. Because I pray many times, God, open my eyes, help me to see a situation. I don't get the immediate thing! God, do the thing you did with the servant there. Do it immediately right now, because I need to see it right now. Sometimes you will, sometimes you won't. That's why I like the Simeon story, 113 years. I don't know, when he spoke that word to him, of, hey, listen, you're going to see Messiah. I don't know. Maybe it was just the year before. Maybe it was 10 years, maybe it was 20 years. I don't know. I don't know. So I'm hoping we can go out this week, throw down the barriers, and really pray in the Spirit, no matter the occasion. Because that's what we're called to do. And that's what parents are called to do for kids. And that's what we're called to model and show and have testimonies of to those that live around us. Oh, keep in prayer so-and-so and pray for this and pray for that. Man, I hope we become a room that as the years grow, we have testimonies and stories about what praying in the Spirit actually does. Oh, it's awesome. It's awesome. Limitless, sitting in the room. Limitless. There is no can't. There is not you are not able. Is limitless. You plus God equals impossible. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. It doesn't matter. Let's stand and close in prayer.